Second Tim, uh, Second Peter, sorry, Second Peter, chapter number two. Continue our series on knowing the truth and knowing the, what apostate is and false teacher. Appreciate you being here this evening. I hope you're glad you're here too. Second Peter, chapter two, and verse number seventeen. I know I read some of these verses last week. We'll just go over for time, uh, just to remind ourselves. Uh, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. When they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure the, through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who lived in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. For it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is returned and turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to wallow in the mire. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time we have to be in your word. And Lord, I pray that we will apply the principles we see within it, the truth, to our hearts and lives. Lord, help us to be discerning. There's much error. Help us to know the truth. Lord, I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. So last week we started on the false freedom, this portion of Scripture, and uh, we looked at uh, freedom, uh, what is it and what it's not, and we, and we talked about how on a, a communist would have a different uh, uh, thought of freedom than someone who believes in democracy. Both would have different views of freedom. They had both believed they had freedom, uh, but we, we discovered how it's not possible to have be totally, absolutely free. No one has that ability to do whatever they want without consequence. Uh, but the idea of freedom spiritually and, and these false teachers trying to bait people say, I give you freedom. We got something to give you freedom from. It's based on false promises. We looked at the wells without water. We looked at the clouds with that carry with that, with the tempest. You know, lots of, lots of motion, lots of noise, but it doesn't produce anything worthwhile. The midst of darkness, we saw that being, you know, utter, uh, darkness. There's no hope. There's no light. We saw that they're full of pride. And another thing we saw is that it's offered by false Christians. This false freedom is given by false Christians. That's why it's false. And we saw, you know, so many comparisons, the deceitfulness of sin, doing it your own way, having it my own way. And, uh, you know, we need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ to show us the way. And it's not false Christians. And the last thing that Peter really dives in here on is it involves a false experience. It involves a false experience. The last two verses of the chapter are really where we're going to pick up. And Peter calls these apostates natural brute beasts back earlier in the Scripture, in this portion of Scripture, 2 Peter 2.12. And now he ends the warning by describing them as pigs and dogs. And he's not showing personal disdain for them. Rather, he's speaking of their basic spiritual lesson of what they're, they're teaching. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And there's nothing right about it. And it's very important that we understand 
the word they in this entire paragraph refers to false teachers, not to their converts. Okay, it's very important to understand it. It's also important for us to remember that these teachers, these apostates, are not truly born again individuals. We have to understand that. That is so important because if you get that off, then you get in all kinds of different areas, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But these individuals are not born again. They have false experiences, and they talk lots about it, but they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jude describes these same people in his letter and, and clearly stated they were sensual, not having the Spirit. So they have a profession of spirituality, but they do not possess true salvation. I can make a profession. Now, I, I could say, hey, I served in the military. Couldn't I say that? I would be lying, but I could say it. I've had some individuals... Uh, I remember uh, when we... For, bought our first home. Uh, me and my wife were uh, at uh, B&K Carpets in Newfoundland, in St. John's, Newfoundland. And the guy, he was a Christian, a, 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 the owner, and he came out to me. He goes, uh, so what part of the service are you in? I looked at him. Uh, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, you're in the military. I can tell. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm in the ministry, if that helps you. <laughs> Uh, but I could have said, oh yeah, I was doing this or that. I mean, I could have lied. I could have made a profession. I had, I think part of it was because I had a close haircut. I was in a little bit better shape, I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, you know, and I, I guess that's the two things that made him think that way. I don't know, maybe I call him sir, that made him think that way. I don't know. Uh, but I, that, I did not possess that. So these individuals profess to be this, but they did not possess it. They profess of a religious experience. And they boldly claim that their experience brought them into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They do that so they have a way of righteousness. To show you, come this way. Come the way I came. They're not using the Word of God to support their position or their teaching. It's all about experience. And experience soon becomes greater than the Word of God. If you are around someone who believes that way, they are being taught falsely. The Word of God is superior to any experience. So if someone tells you experience about something really crazy, and you can tell from the Word of God that that's not true, the Word of God still stands. It does. God's Word is the authority. You could be deceived. Could, can we not be deceived? Sure we can. You know, I've met some really... Great businessmen, and I've watched some documentaries on uh, great uh, inventors and things, and they talked about how they were deceived by con artists or whatever. We all can be deceived. We all can be deceived. We need to be trusting Jesus Christ and Him alone. These men are trying to deceive them, and it's just not men, it's women as well. And they wouldn't be able to get people into their congregation, their assembly, if they didn't have this experience. And we live in a world that's so experience-oriented. What? Um, it, oh, i got to try this experience. I mean, I'm all for trying new things, like having fun in, in the realm of good, clean fun. Yeah, let's try it. But our world lives for experience. You know, I mean, I've heard so many people say, well, when I did this, whoa, man, I felt so great. Really? you got to do something to, like that to feel great? You know, hey, should we find peace in the Word of God, not hanging upside down, bonging up and down on a bungee cord? 
I mean, I'm not against trying bungee cord or jumping if you want to do it, but I'm not doing it. You know, but if we just live in such a, a society of experience, experience, we've got to have all the experience to be fulfilled. Shouldn't Jesus Christ be fulfilling us? He should be. He should be. Peter, uh, really, in his letters, we're assuming, I think, that the both letters went to the same type of people, and uh, he was writing the same people. and So he lays a doctrinal foundation in his first letter, and then he's reminding his readers now that uh, they were, or in that portion of Scripture, they were partakers of the divine nature. Peter described the believers as sheep. And we've heard that many times, as in the church, that we are part of the pasture, you know, we're in the pasture uh, we, are, we follow the good shepherd, you know, things of that nature. So we understand the reference to sheep. And, uh, you know, we, we need to understand that as sheep we need to be following the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no indication that the false teacher has ever experienced a new birth. They have knowledge of salvation. You knowing of salvation, does that save you? No, it does not. You know, they use the language of the church. They have the knowledge of salvation. They use the language that a church would use, but they lack the true saving experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at one time, they received the word and said, so they, oh yeah, I acknowledge the truth. I, yeah, okay, sure. But they never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. They turned away from it. They said, no. They never trusted Christ as Savior, so they're never His sheep. Make sense? That's why he, Peter refers to as pigs and sows, these apostates, because they're not sheep. They're not believers of Jesus Christ. These men point to an experience, false experience. I think of someone else who's a counterfeiter, and that's Satan. Isn't he a counterfeiter? He certainly is. And he has his false gospel. He has his false ministers and produces false Christians in perils among false brethren. We see that in 2 Corinthians 11.26. There's people out there who are totally deceived and are part of the false message. And they can get intertwined with true believers. That's Satan's desire. That's what he wants. And what kind of experience did these teachers have? To use Peter's vivid images, he talks about a clean a pig was washed on the outside and remained a pig, and a dog was cleaned up inside and still remained a dog. The pig looked better though when he was washed, didn't he? Not even smelled good. You know, the dog he felt better after he did what he did, but neither one changed. They're still a dog. They're still a pig. The same old nature. Not the new nature, the old nature. This explains why both animals returned to the old life. They had not been renewed. They had not been transformed. And part of the of their nature was to do what they did. A pig can stay clean only a short period of time. I've never been around pigs very much, to be quite honest. Uh, the most time I'm around pigs is when I eat a bit of pork. That's about it. You know, I, I don't know really the habits of a pig besides what I've been told. But from what I'm told, they like to get in the mud and roll around. I've seen videos of it, so I guess it's absolutely true. I don't doubt the Word of God. So they like to get dirty. They like to roll around in that. And I, I do think it's quite odd to see people with pigs in their homes. You've probably seen videos of pig, people having pigs for pets. 
And I think they're just saving up for Thanksgiving and having a hand. That's all I think they're doing with that. But anyways, uh, you know, you know, and Peter doesn't condemn a pig, or we don't condemn a pig for acting the way a pig acts, do we? No, that's his nature. If we saw a sheep walking down to the mud hole, look, what are you doing? Get up here. Sheep, come on. You're not supposed to be down in the mud. Come on. Get up here. You know, we should be concerned about that, you know. And as we see, if we see other Christians getting off track, we do have a responsibility to encourage each other to stay on the true path. Amen? We have that responsibility. Now, at the end of the day, it's that person's decision to follow Jesus Christ and do what needs to be done or to do what is wrong. I, I, uh, I remember a few years ago, myself and Dale Tao, we went to Romania. Had a fantastic time. I really enjoyed Romania. It's, it's different, but it was wonderful. I loved it. We stayed, they actually call it ultra, uh, central. Like we were down, it was such a thing as down, downtown Bucharest. That's where we're at. All right. We were within walking distance of the Palace of Parliament, which is unbelievable. It's beautiful. Uh, the architect and all, Oh man, it's just amazing. Uh, and I really enjoyed the city and the people. And uh, Dale didn't, you know, he kind of stuck out because he was so tall. But me being short and round, I fit right in, okay? And uh, lots of people was like, hey, are you from around here? And no, no, I'm not. But anyway, I had a great time. Enjoyed the people. Enjoyed the city. A couple of things I noticed and uh, is one, in the city, it wasn't really designed for cars like what we have in well, Toronto's not really designed for cars anymore either, but uh, this city is definitely not designed for it. And they parked their car on the sidewalk. And lots of time I was walking on the streets. I thought that was a little strange. Just to be honest with you. Uh, no, I was never felt I was in danger. You know, no one was running me over. I didn't feel like I was in a Grand Prix situation or anything. But, you know, so that was different. And another thing I noticed, there was lots of dogs. I mean, lots of dogs, you know, on their own, while, you know, just dogs everywhere. And at first, it kind of unnerved me, to be quite honest, like, is that a nice dog? You know, they don't have a little sign saying I'm a nice one or I'm a bad one. How do I know? And some were small, didn't mind those, but one's a bit bigger. I'm like, eh. Dale, you go on ahead, Dale. <laughs> You're a big boy. <laughs> you know, and uh, if they get you, they will. Dale probably could run faster than me. But anyway, well, I have my theories on it at the time, but... Uh, you know, it was just a lot of dogs. And you know what happens when a dog gets into the garbage, right? Kind of like this verse tells us. You get sick. You know, and we saw all kinds of that in different places of the city. And you know what I noticed? The dogs went right back to what they were doing before. Back to the garbage again. So I'm just letting you know the dogs in Romania are just like the dogs here. It's the dog's nature to act that way. The reality is, and it was, and even Solomon mentioned back in Proverbs 26, verse 11, you know, he, he, that's his nature. The dog feels better after it empties its stomach, but it's still a dog. It had an experience, but it didn't change him. Right? Didn't change the dog. You know, and the idea that uh, people who have experiences, there needs to be some evidence of change. There it is. There has to be evidence. And, you know, it's, Peter's description here is very vivid. And to be honest, it's a little gross, isn't it? But he's giving us this illustration, this picture to help us understand the importance 
of distinguishing between the true teacher and the apostate. The apostate has not changed. Uh, I've been in the ministry over 17 years now, and I have met many people. And some of them have told me about their spiritual experiences. But, you know, in their tone of conversation, in the way of their living, they give no evidence of a changed life. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not the individual who go around saying, well, you're saved and you're not saved, you're not saved. But I can know them by the way they live, can we not? We can do that. The Word of God says that. We can do that. I'm not going around and I don't have a, a black notebook in my office saying, I don't know about that person. But we can see how you live. How are you living? Yeah, that's an education, evidence, indication of your heart. And like the soul, some of them are cleaned up for, on the outside for a while. And, and like the dog, some of them are cleansed up. You know, they're, they're feeling good inside for a little while. But they are not partakers of the divine nature. They have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And though they're free from the bondage, or they're free from the problems of sin, for a little while, they're going to go right back at it. Hey, my dog, as much as I tell him, don't get in the garbage, if I leave it out, it's going to get in the garbage. And I love that dog, and I let him lick my face on occasion. You know, the idea is that it's its nature. The apostate, according to the Word of God, is not saved. And that individual is not going to teach you how to be saved. They don't have to escape the pollutions of this world. They are corrupt from within. The defilement is from within. The decay is inside. The true believer has received a new nature, a divine nature. We are new creatures and we have new appetites, new desires. I can think of when I got saved when I was 19 years old. And man, my desires have changed from then till now. And it's a... It's a process too, right? I mean, it takes time to, you know, the Holy Spirit works in your heart and you change your life. And that song the, the, the lady sang this evening, you know, your way, Lord, I'll do whatever you, send me wherever you go. You know, when you first get saved, you're not ready for that yet. You've got to grow. There's time of maturing. There's times of testing. And, you know, we're just following the Lord. But that's not the way of the apostate. You know, when we get saved, lack for a better word, we're transformed from dogs to sheep, amen? You know, we're part of the, the fold of God. Can you imagine the disappointment of a person who thinks they've been delivered only to find out they're worse off than when they began? Isn't that a horrible thought? That is a horrible thought. But the apostates, that's what they're preaching. Follow me. I'll give you freedom. You'll find liberty with us. Come with us. Come with us. And then at the end of that time, they're like, this is worse than when I began. I don't have a family. I mean, my goodness, I've seen it on television, these documentaries of different cults and things. And even the world and its worldliness and its philosophy say, listen, you lost all this because you followed this guy. And they're like, yeah, and I know he was wrong. Hmm. You know, they don't give anything. It's more bondage. True freedom comes from within. And that within is when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's true freedom. That's true freedom. 
There's nothing else. Anything else is a counterfeit. If, if they're trying to sell you a bill of goods that does not have Lord Jesus Christ as your hope, as salvation, don't buy it. These are selling you a false bill of goods. It's not true. Well, the inner, na- the inner nature of the person, of the person, we need Jesus. We can't pull ourselves up out of the, out of the dirt, out of the, the, the sky. You know, we need Jesus Christ to do that. I realize there's some who believe that these apostate teachers are believers. And I've, I've met people like that. Listen, they have the knowledge, but they do not accept. They don't accept it. Uh, there's other scriptures uh, from what we read here in the book of Jude as well. If you read through that, you'll see that the, the, the false teacher never had a true experience of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. They might learn all the, the vernacular, all the words that you use when you talk about salvation or talk about experience at church. They can use all those things. But if they were truly saved and teaching the right way, or they were teaching the wrong way but saved, I don't think Peter would have ever compared them to swine and dogs. These children of God are not swine and dogs. They are sheep. They are sheep. And he definitely would not have called them cursed children in 2 Peter 2.14. Because if we're a child of God, we are not cursed. We're free. We're totally free in Jesus Christ. If they were true believers who had gone astray, it would have been Peter's responsibility to encourage his readers to rescue them, to admonish them to come back to the right way. I, I think, and I, I was talking to somebody this week about it, I think a couple people about it. Uh, I think of Apollos in, uh, in Acts, and he preached a message that wasn't correct. And Aquila and Priscilla, they did what we as Christians would do when we see someone off target, off blind, not doing the right things preaching-wise, they said, hey, can we talk to you? And they sat down and showed him the more perfect way. They showed him the truth. And guess what Apollos says? Like, thank you for telling me. And he changed his, you know, he changed his message because now he received the truth and then he preached the truth. And actually, I absolutely believe we'll get to meet Apollos in heaven. He was a great preacher. No, but these people, they're not like that. They, they don't have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And, and, but Peter here does not command us to reach these people back to the Lord Jesus. He says they're lost. You know, in the sense of they're not backslidden, they're lost. They need salvation. And you know, this portion of scripture we have read in 2 Peter, it's pretty forceful, folks. It's not a, a little gentle, oh, you know, be good. No, he's very pointed, Peter is. It kind of matches, it matches his personality when I read about him. He's pretty forceful. He's the prophet type. He'll tell you exactly the way it is. So it matches his personality. But he tells them, hey, they're, they're not believers. Now that we understand better what freedom, this freedom is offered by these false teachers, it's really false. This freedom is only leading them in individuals into bondage. And folks, let me tell you that this series of messages I'm preaching, I'm not preaching it just because it's something I like to preach about, because it's absolutely true. There's Christians today being led away. They're being led away. They're being led away from the truth of the Word of God. And we do have a responsibility to try to help those Christians who are being led away, and we definitely have a responsibility to stand for the truth. Their, their freedom is based on false promises, empty words. 
that sound so exciting, but they have no divine authority behind them. It's offered by false Christians, and the freedom is a product of the devil. That's what their freedom is. That's all it is. Now, we can appreciate uh, Peter's admonition in uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10. I'll read you that verse. Wherefore, the, uh, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fail. You know, so has your spiritual experience been genuine? Are you showing the results of Christ living in you? You know, it's not an experience. When we get saved, you know, and I've met some people like, well, I really, I didn't have an experience when I got saved. I was like, praise the Lord, that's all fine. You know, some people remember vividly. Some people are like, oh, I really can't remember. But I'm known saved. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We know them by how they live. You know, the idea is that if you're living for Jesus, you're, you're growing, you're showing that love. And you're not like the sow, and you're not like the dog, you're a sheep trying to follow the shepherd. And I, folks, I'm really serious that we need to be helping those who are drifting away. And we need to be stalwarts for the truth. If we're not standing for the truth, who will? Who will? I don't see too many people all excited about standing for the Word of God. If they are, I'd like them to come up to our church. Amen? We need to be standing for truth. Maybe Peter recalls Judas. Now, Peter was with Judas for three years or so during Christ's earthly ministry. You know, he was one of the twelve. They worked together, but Judas was never saved. I think this point was very poignant to Peter because he knew what the false teacher could do. You know, Judas was a tool not for the Lord Jesus, but for the devil. He was never born again. You know, up until the very end, the disciples did not know that. They never knew it. He, they thought he was a spiritual man. They, they thought he was a good man. He took care of the money bag. You know, he was a good man. The apostates, they're a sneaky bunch. They don't play by rules. It's all about fulfilling their lusts. Fulfilling their desires, which are not spiritual desires. Sadly, apostates appear to have great, successful ministries. You know, they're... You know, this week I'm on a chat room, or not chat room, but like a Facebook room with a bunch of other preachers. And this one guy posted a, a, a audio of a, of a false teacher who was talking about giving more money. I don't really remember his name. It doesn't really matter. He, he was full of himself. You know, you need to be tithing. If not, you know, the fire from God's going to come down and burn you all up, type of thing. Really? You know, I believe if you've got your heart right with Jesus Christ, you're going to tithe. Your heart needs to be right with Jesus. I mean, you get your heart right with Jesus, other things are going to get in place. But no mention of loving the Lord or getting your heart right with the Lord is like, give him more money! 
So you build another dome. <laughs> Crazy. They appear to have successful ministry, but in the end, they will fail. And they might not fail in this life. You might never see them fall. But they'll stand before Almighty God and they will give account for what they had done. And so will we. We'll stand before the Lord and give an account for how we served Him. And I believe part of our service is to be standing for the truth and helping those who are getting just slightly drawn away or they're getting engulfed by false things. It's important that we have our salvation settled and that we're serving Jesus Christ and we're reaching other folks. It's so important. And, and these counterfeit ministries, no matter how popular they might be and how many thousands of people might be going, they're not standing for truth. And I'll be honest with you folks, I made up my mind a long time ago, I'm going to stand for truth because there's no one else with me. I'm going to stand for truth. But you know what I found? There's always someone who will stand with you for truth. The Lord has never let me be all alone in standing for truth. I hope that's your desire too. You're going to stand for truth and you're going to defend the truth. Oh, the apostates are liars and they're not telling the truth. But our church and myself and my family, we're going to stand for truth. And show people the true freedom. And true freedom is not being like me. It's having Jesus Christ in your heart. That's where true freedom is. Not following the false promises of the false teachers. There's no middle ground. It's Jesus or the others. You can't be riding the fence. Your choice. What's it going to be?